Welcome to Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 5, titled Go-Getters. I could have sworn there would be a Black Keys song somewhere in this episode, and they failed me. Mm. They failed me. On multiple levels, they failed me. Although, I'd it, say it, it wasn't sting, a bad episode. It must sting really bad, because this is the first time The Walking Dead's let you down. I right. Mean, the first time, it always stings extra hard. My hopes had been so high. You know uh, what? I, I was I was really encouraged and emboldened by this episode because they successfully told not one, not two, but three mm. separate arcs simultaneously. It can yeah. be done. Yeah, they really the, the they're talking about the writers when they say go getters because <laughs> this is a pack of go getters. They're like fuck this right. single storyline. We're doing three. Right. I was thinking over the weekend because I um. I forget what got me on this, but I was talking to somebody and we were talking about the storyline structure. And I was like, I, I, I hope they're not doing this because, like, telling a singular focus story has got to be, like, easy mode for writers, right? Because it's much I harder guess. to pace an episode when you're cutting back and forth and not losing the plot. And Yeah, it's trickier. But um, on the other hand, it does feel like it overall bogs down the storyline when you're doing, you know, because it, it takes four or five weeks before you get back to your meticulously oh, right. crafted character moments. Let's be generous and call them that. Right. And everyone's forgotten. Like, think of the t- the, the Terra situation and the Heath situation is burgeoning, where, like, mm-hmm. people are like, wow, it's been so long since we've seen them. And so long since, I mean, are we going to get an emotional reaction? Like, I don't know. It's so That's funny because a lot of the justification they use for delaying the deaths until next year is because they wanted to make sure the, re- the emotional reaction that the cast and everyone had you know, is is not distant from our reaction. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird that we get to the hilltop and, like, Glenn and Abraham are just buried. No yeah. real time to deal with, like, how that, you know, when all happened and what all conversations Sasha and and uh, uh, Maggie had. Uh, Tara and Heath are going to come by, and surely they're not going to stop the episode to let them process every fucking thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that's the difficulty of this kind of ensemble cast, right? Because... Yeah. If you do have a lot of people that the audience could potentially care about, then it becomes a challenge to keep them all relevant in any given moment during the season. Whereas a show like Breaking Bad with a near singular focus mm-hmm. is a lot easier to do that with, right? You can have an episode with Jesse yeah. entirely and then an episode with Walt. And then you've covered the whole spectrum it, of characters. If you've got like, a half dozen episodes throughout the entire run that people care, and that's probably being generous. That's uh-huh. throwing Skyler and Hank and which... But they're all kind of wrapped up sure, in sure, sure. storyline. Yeah, no, I mean, it, that's easier, but, you know, uh-huh. I, I think it's a challenge, but whew, they got to find a way. Because this, this episode felt in a lot more moving forward Yeah, just because they did. They were, they were trying to keep these balls in the air, and I, I thought it, was, it looked good on them. Yeah, the pacing felt very much better this episode. I still, you know, have a couple of things that I think are subpar about this episode. But mm-hmm. um, overall, I was pleased with it. All right. Uh, do we have anything else, or should we get right into the uh, no the episode proper? Let's do it. Uh, Doctor Carson, who is the uh, obstetrician slash doctor of the hilltop, welcomes Maggie and tells her her uterus is partially separated. Oh, that oh, sounds. That anytime you're tearing placentas and uteruses, it just yeah. it, and you got a baby inside you. That that seems like a bad deal. Uh, he it reassures her that she hasn't lost a baby. She gets to listen to the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. which is a nice moment, but he sternly warns her to take it easy 
and that he's gonna she's gonna have to stay at Hilltop for the duration he because plays the entire Eagles catalog for her. <laughs> Just take it easy, Maggie. And uh, and uh, she's gonna have to stay there for the duration because she's got an at risk pregnancy now. Um, yeah, I thought this was a pretty big moment for Maggie. You know, after losing Glenn, this would certainly be a terrible thing to happen to her to lose this baby. Yeah, which like, is the you, only thing that she would have left of Glenn, aside from a pocket watch that she discards at the end. <laughs> and 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 you can't go back home. Mm-hmm. Like you're a you're a pregnant woman who's lost her her husband. And your community is now being separated from you because of the fact that you're going to have to stay bed rest for seven, six, six, seven months. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously she goes on to make the, the, the most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha shows uh, Maggie to Abraham and Glenn's grave, which she's hastily erected at some remote location in Hilltop. Uh, Sasha gives Maggie uh, Herschel's watch, which we've jokingly referred to many times as the keys to Maggie's vagina, mm-hmm. uh, which Maggie decides to live on or leave on Glenn's grave. She's hanging him up. No more. Uh, she's done. Glenn, Glenn was her everything. Uh, Sasha reaffirms that she's on board with the staying idea and that she'll she'll join them. Uh, Jesus then brings in some lettuce and parsley, I think, for a bouquet. He says they're blue flowers, but they are neither blue nor flowers. Yeah, I don't. You brought garnishing, Jesus. It's for calm and release. Is he trying to like release the spirits of Abraham and Glenn? Nobody wants to be haunt- hunted, haunted, hunted and haunted by Mother Dick. <laughs> oh no, God, no! <laughs> and the orange flowers. If he had put orange flowers on there, you don't even want to know. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't even ask. Nope. Uh, I gotta say, it, there's a disparity here between. What Glenn had and what Abraham had. Glenn had a keepsake. Abraham just had a cigar. <laughs> and, and and a broken piece of taillight that he put on a fair, necklace. Fair. I mean, it didn't, he didn't have nothing. And I, I'm amazed at how fast Sasha is willing to just burn that thing. Just light it up. Like, she's no Will Smith. Even no. Will Smith waited for the nuke to be in place. Right. She's just like, yeah. Episode one after his death, let's do it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, celebration time. Yeah. Uh, Gregory comes in and demands an explanation for the failure of the Alexandrians' attack on the Negan saviors. <sighs> um, he wants to know that no, that, that they knew about the deal that they took, which that's kind of settled something I probably should have already known, the fact that the saviors were all ma- The saviors that would have known about the du- duplicity of offering up a fake Gregory head were all massacred. Yeah. So there's no way for... Negan to know that this was something that uh, the hilltop was involved in. Uh, he also explains that they don't bury the dead; they burn them for some kind of uh, pseudo, I guess, religious philosophical reason. Yeah, uh, the, remi- to, to move on is what Jesus later says. Yeah, which I mean, that's kind of I'm I'm more of a crematory type of guy than a, oh, yeah, than a graveyard too. kind of guy, so I I kind of take a shine to hilltop a bit. Uh, he also reminds everyone that he's been recuperating from a stab wound, too. Oh, he's writing. not at full strength. This fucking writing. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been recuperating, too, Jesus. You remember my stab wound? You uh-huh. remember it, huh? Oh, the one you got Back a couple episodes ago. You remember that? Was it through your palm and your, your, your feet, too? <laughs> it's the, you don't go writing. up and get Jesus when stab wounds are on the line. <laughs> That's, That's just true. asking to lose. Come on, yeah. now. Uh, and he says that uh, correctly. Here's the thing. Like, I'm not going to be on board with Gregory for the rest of the episode, but the way he's sizing up the situation is dead on correct and makes me th- like, I think we're supposed to think that he's an inept leader, but he's saying everything that's true. You promised us one thing. We paid in advance. You're royally fucked up. And not only did that, you did that, but you fucked up in a way that's now leaving us to risk for reprisal. Right. By your just mere presence here. 
Well, as Maggie says later, you know, the problem is not that he's an idiot necessarily. He's a coward. Right. And I think she nails it. But on the other hand, like, I don't think this is de facto cowardly behavior. This is – and also, what would Rick do? Mm-hmm. Like, after he's been traumatized by Negan at this point, he would just shelter two people that fucked him over on a deal? Like, I think uh, – I don't know. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not saying that Gregory's not a complete dildo. Yeah, I hate I'm just this saying, guy. I'm just saying that they're doing a bad job in this, this scene of, of getting me off his side. They also – they're doing a bad job of characterization. Like, okay – one, maybe a second reference to him forgetting names or not giving a shit about people's names would uh-huh. do it. They do it like five times in this episode, and yeah. it it loses its charm. Like, the gag is good. Mm-hmm. This guy doesn't fucking remember names. Okay, right. great. Maybe lay off the gas a little on that. Okay. Uh, he also uh, finally relents to letting them stay a single night because, you know, Jesus implores them to think of the women and the unborn child, and I guess he turns soft at the last minute. Uh, back at Alexandria, Carl is having a hard time with darts on oh, account yeah. of his death perception, and also having a hard time accepting yeah. this is the new reality. They work for Negan. You know what? This is interesting, because I, I was I was prepared to call bullshit on Carl's dart throwing. Oh, yeah? Why? Because, you know, you think when he loses an eye, he loses his depth perception, and that would cause the darts to go either high or low, not left or right. But apparently, well, like I went left back, or right. I'm, I'm thinking like you would just go short, right? Yeah. Right, you'd miss up or down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's what you're saying. But so I went back and I looked because we got an email from Edwin D who was talking about this. Um, Eddie D. And I looked up, you know, what what the symptoms of losing an eye are, and uh-huh. essentially they're exactly that. One of you them lose is sucking depth. at darts. <laughs> One of them is sucking at darts. <laughs> uh, the other is you lose your depth perception. The other is um, lack of peripheral vision, apparently, like a 10 uh, well, to 20% sure, yeah. Yeah. peripheral vision. It's a whole half of your head missing now. But if you go back and you look at Carl shooting guns in seasons three, four, five, six, right. uh, before he loses his eye, he's actually right-handed. So that's why he's missing. He's actually cross-dominant now. So like... He's he's throwing he's trying to throw with his right eye and his left hand. Why did he switch hands? Just because he lost his eye? I think that's like going back two steps. Right. I, I well, I think it's because he doesn't know any better. I think like he's trying to compensate, and nobody's fucking telling him. Okay. Maybe nobody I, even I, I knows. Because like show. I thought I would have picked up on the fact that he was a lefty before now. Yeah, he's not. Interesting. He's becoming a lefty, and like I looked, and you can correct your stance for for those sure. sorts of things, but right. I don't know. I it was something that The Walking Dead actually did really well right. that I was prepared to call bullshit on, hmm. and then I looked into it further and I was like, okay, yeah, that works. Well, there you go. Uh, Michonne then gives Rick a proper goodbye that uh, lasted <laughs> 17 minutes and resulted in this episode of getting an M rate. No, honestly, <laughs> they just had a really passionate kiss. Yeah. Uh, Carl, after soaking all that up, asks why she didn't go with her his dad, and she said, uh, "I have to figure things out." Uh, like how we can do this if we can, and Carl says, "Yeah, but the problem is, Dad's wrong." And she goes, "I think he is, but I don't know." Mm-hmm. Fair adult response that Carl gets. Yep, uh, I liked it. They continued to have great chemistry. Everyone, all three of them. Yeah. Uh, Enid then tries sneaking out, but Carl finds her. Uh, she needs to go see Maggie, make sure she's okay, and she's going to walk to the hilltop if necessary. Carl says, "I'm not saving you anymore." And she goes, oh, that's what you did for me in the armory? And she said, well, you made it back. It didn't seem so tough. And he says, I'm not talking about that. He's referring to saving her from the trauma of seeing men get their heads bashed in. Mm -hmm. 
And she says, I'm sorry you had to see that. And he goes, I'm not. Which makes this whole conversation pretty fucking pointless. And I'm grading it on a teenage curve, so it's not really annoying. But Jesus, dude. Like, what are we even trying to argue here? Who's right? Who's wrong? Yep. You know? And then not ten minutes from now, you're going to go save her again. Like, you didn't lock her in a cabinet because you didn't want her to see Glenn's head bashed in. Because you're not a fucking fortune teller, number one. Yep. Number two... Uh, if you saved her for something that you think that a person needed to see, uh, in the, in living this world, then did you save her at all? Like, well, maybe he he realizes that he's a little fucked up, <laughs> and that seeing these things, uh, would have an effect on her that would push her more in the direction of him, and he thinks that's a bad thing. Yeah, he wants to preserve her innocence, and I know, like, maybe it should be up to her, yeah, to preserve no, her own goddamn innocence. But that's uh, that's, th- a novel that's what thought, Carl, sure. I think. Is is going through his head in this scene, right? And you know, it's a it's a fucked well, up teenager here. Well, not only about that, but Rick has got a little bit of a control issue as well. Yeah. So it would not surprise me or blow my hair back to find out that uh, Carl would try to assert that same kind of control uh, over someone he's he's growing an affection for. Mm-hmm. Enid, I just don't think, is the type that's going to brook it. No, no. Well, I mean, she no. kind of uh, is a little bit wishy-washy on that more than I would like for her character to She's be. She's also a teenage girl, so we got to cut her some slack. But she is, she does have a, an indignant, strong streak in her, Yes, which I like. That's one of the things about her character that makes her She's compelling. She's talking to a 14-year-old in a sheriff's hat, man. Like, I know. Never forget that, Enid. Never forget <laughs> That you're talking to a like a 15 year old maybe now with a sheriff's hat on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sasha then insists that Jesus has to save Gregory's mind, uh, but he's not in charge because he's not a leader. Even though he does a lot of leaderly things in this episode, yeah, I don't understand the people that say I don't want to lead because I'm not a leader. I mean, it just always seems as like I don't. I I want to. It, it always it always seems like it's from people that want to throw bombs and not put forth solutions, you know. Which that mm. doesn't seem like it's Jesus. So no, I think uh, I'm imagining there's something in his past that has proved to him that he's not a leader. Yeah, or or at least got that idea in his head, and he doesn't want to repeat it. He got you know? sent sent on a mission by his old man, only lasted 33 years on the job, <laughs> and died ignomiously. Uh-huh. Yeah, something like that in his past, maybe? Yeah, maybe like similar to Abraham. You know, if you throw Abraham in a family situation, he's probably like, whoa, 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 whoa. Tied up his son on Mount Sinai, <laughs> tried to sacrifice him, and God says, that's not what I want, you idiot. Wrong, Why would you think wrong that? Abraham, I think. <laughs> but he probably Is wouldn't want to be, you know, part of this sort of family again, or thrust into a situation where he has to make those decisions for a family. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's more to Jesus. Um, but we just haven't seen it yet, and I'm interested in what that might be. Yeah. Uh, so she, I, some of this dialogue, you throw in the name Jesus, it's just funny. Mm-hmm. At one point she asks, exasperated, what do you want, Jesus? What do you want this place to be? And he says, I just try to help people. And she says, you got to do more. Uh, Jesus then hands over the broken taillight necklace that uh, Sasha made from Abraham way back when. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maggie walks in, asks him why they burned her dead, and he says it's the reminder to just keep going, that the only reminders we need is each other, that the people existed, which makes sense. If you don't – I mean, that's the thing about a graveyard, right? You walk through a graveyard, and 99.9% of the graves mean nothing to you. Sure. You know, so it's like – it does seem like a, you know, and I'm not judging anybody because everybody's death and burial customs their own damn business. But the way I look at it is, yeah, if, the, if if everyone that remembered you as a person is dead, 
and gone and doesn't remember you, then they're not going to visit your grave either. That's true. Yeah. So I, I imagine unless somehow you, you achieve posthumous fame, right? You know, if you're a, a, a Edgar Allan Poe, which was he even buried or he just died in a gutter? You had to go know. visit a gutter in New England to to pay homage homage to him. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. You're gonna have to go visit a, a pyramid shaped sarcophagus to get with Nick Cage <laughs> after his death. Uh. Maybe it's that you look for the crow that's saying "Nevermore," and that's that's when you you know you found Poe's grave. Uh, anyway, uh, Maggie comes in, and oh, we already talked about that. Uh, Sasha, after Jesus leaves, Sasha uh, has the opinion that Gregory's an idiot, and Maggie says it's worse. He's a coward. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's right because a coward is smart, so you can't really fully anticipate um, all the ways they're going to fuck you. Whereas an idiot is like usually consistent in how they're going to fuck you. You yeah. can kind of account for the weaknesses of an idiot, but a coward? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, Enid's riding along the road on a bike, and she's ambushed, kind of, by a walker. Real far away. And and Carl shows his hereditary driving talent by poorly driving a Lincoln Town car and plowing a zombie in both the front and flipping in reverse the back. Kind of a mm-hmm. massive overreaction to a single walker that... Enid is more than capable of taking over. But you gotta imagine, like, you're a, a 13 to 15 year old. Mm-hmm. You, you somehow get hold of a car. I don't know who's letting you take that car out, but you got right, one. Right, right. Uh, and I, now... Again, who who is responsible for keeping... Um, uh, Olivia? Olivia, you are, are shit keeping track of things. <laughs> yeah. Do not issue Carl a Lincoln Town Car, please. How much fun would that be, though? That'd know. be awesome. You could put in your, like, Matthew McConaughey. What? That's, a, that's he's the Lincoln spokesman. This is a Lincoln town car. This is not a town car. It is a Lincoln town car. I thought it was. Hmm. Maybe it's a Crown Vic. I thought it was a Lincoln town. I car. thought somebody said it was an AMC Pacer. No. Oh shit. No. That's the that's the post apocalyptic uh, sawed off muscle car that uh, that Maggie backs over the tracker or the track tracker. Oh, is it? Okay. I thought it was an AMC okay. Gremlin, but then again, I'm not mm-hmm. uh, I don't know an expert in the finer finer points of AMC's cars. It's funny that they're using AMC though. It That's is funny. Pretty good. It is pretty funny. And they're all pieces of shit. And they're also backing and destroy, or destroying and they this might be a sign of distress from the uh the filmmakers. Could be. Uh where was I at? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm still Okay, the... yes, it's impressive to go and kill your girlfriend zombie, but even and more fun. impressive would be to pull up and be like, hey, get in. Let's ride to the hilltop in style. Oh, yeah, I guess then they have to walk. He destroys that car, doesn't he? Yeah, then they get the... I mean, they wouldn't have gotten the roller skate, so I guess there's that. Yeah. He also crashes into pillars, these these pylons that say drive slowly, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, at least he didn't hit the zombie and then flip the car end over end six right. or seven times and, 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 and have the whole community risk going out to rescue him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, remember those days? I do. Uh, saviors open up the gates at night and the hilltop, and they set fires. They do a whole bunch of shit that seems like it would make a lot of noise and, and get the lookouts alerted, but whatever. Yeah, what? where are the lookouts? Yeah, like, they opened the gates, came into the town, and set up a bunch of bonfires, and no one knew until they started blasting Beethoven. Did they drive that car in? Did they push it in? I'm still saying, like, if you had any kind of competent lookout, they would have, like, oh, a- yeah. as the gate started slowly swing open, they would have said, hey, what are you doing? And as they started assembling the bonfires, <laughs> right. they'd be like, uh, there's no scheduled bonfires tonight. Yeah. I don't know. The hilltop, not exactly. I mean, 
they got to be more more what's the opposite of inept ept they got to be more Mm -hmm. eps than alexandrians because my god how could you not be but i don't know maybe not yeah um and then they start funneling zombies into the complex maggie and sasha spring into action and escape to the roof of their trailer while maggie agrees to sit still for the sake of her baby Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, she's going to find a way to, to be badass and also sit down. No, no, spoiler alert. She hauls her ass up onto the That's rooftop true. through a fucking sunroof. Has to jump down. Has to pull herself up. She's not being lifted like Sasha is. And she doesn't is. have a ladder either. She's no. also got some ramshackle How did she get down? How'd she get up? Tables and chairs arrangement. This, that... this placenta is now 100% ripped, man. <laughs> There's no way that can be good for you in her state. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, Jesus then pops down, and Maggie shouts that Sasha's alone down there, that she has to be saved. She doesn't. She's awesome. Uh, Maggie then takes charge, ordering people to close up the gates. They don't. Mm-hmm. Sasha and Jesus are total badasses. Jesus, in particular, is doing his uh, brand of post-apocalyptic parkour. It was kind of cool. Kung fu action. Yeah. Uh, like, the guy they got to do this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's the actual actor. You can tell. Oh, yeah. And he's solid. He's cool. He knows I mean, what he's doing. It's got... I mean, not only is he super athletic and able to do these in, in these sick moves that the comic book Jesus does, but he also just really looks like a Hallmark family production of jesus of nazarene i mean he's, he does he's very very jesus looking uh, this, this would have been like 40 percent cooler though if it was michonne instead of sasha because mm. how badass would that be kung fu dude and sword lady oh yeah going at it that should be a spinoff series kung fu dude like, like just take <laughs> into the badlands and walking dead you've already got to mix together go. man you don't need two shows but maggie maggie pulled it out of the fire here yeah figuratively uh, she uh, she um Finds a tractor somewhere inside the city gates. Well, we saw it in the background. It was behind the graveyard where okay. uh, I didn't, they buried him. Yeah. I didn't see it before. And I'm like thinking, why would you need that big of a tractor to farm land inside the hilltop? But That's fair. Whatever. I mean, I guess you wouldn't park your tractor on the outside either if you were plowing crops yeah. and stuff. Maybe it's they don't use it for farming, mm. but it's there. It's just for zombie rolling over yeah. in, case, in case of zombie haul ass. Uh, unfortunately, they, they did have this pool, cool post-apocalyptic gremlin. You said as a pacer, I—that's I, what someone told me. But it had all the windows like all barred up, and it had like a cool stainless yeah. steel uh, middle finger that's mounted to the wiper. That would have been pretty, nice. pretty funny to you know shine people on in your rear view. Is that uh, a hint that the blacksmith of this town actually did this? Probably. <laughs> Who else? Uh, but she starts backing over basically everything, which I admit is kind of awesome. It like, was fucking cool. I don't even know how they did the tractor backing over the zombie effects because it mm-hmm. looked for all the world like she was running over real people. Yeah. I'm, I mean, obviously she wasn't, but damn. Maybe. You uh, know that. And then she also, for whatever reason, backs over the gremlin. I, I felt like that was unnecessary. Well, she's trying to stop the music, right? Like crunch the fucking music, and it works. So I'm with her. Like, I thought this was awesome. Okay. Maggie okay. just go into town with a tractor. Can I make she a gets confession? zombie I've kill seen of the this week thing three times, and I just now realized that that was the <laughs> Neganite's car. I feel really? so fucked. Yeah, no, I thought just someone had a really badass, <laughs> badass gremlin in the town square. Man, I I didn't make the connection wow. that that's the thing to play in the music. I thought they okay. were getting trying to get there she for says safety. it. Sasha says it. I know she says a car. She says there's music I, dude, playing this from the is car. The, probably the stupidest thing I've ever admitted to on on the air. I think it's hilarious. But yeah, no, I just like, I'm like, well, that's someone at the hilltop's going to be pissed. <laughs> the blacksmith, especially. He, God knows how long he slaved over that middle finger. 
Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, Jesus just left his car running. <laughs> Stereo <laughs> pumping. Jesus would drive a gremlin. Of course he would. They they have Jesus and they also have Beethoven. You didn't realize that, but there's a Beethoven in this town. Is he's, there? Yeah, he's mm. the guy listening to the the classical music. Mm-mm. Uh, so Carl and Enid are talking as they're walking to the hilltop, and he says to her that he didn't look away when it was head bashing time. Mm. And she asks why. He goes, I knew that I'd need to remember it. So when I had a chance to kill Negan, I wouldn't have a choice to uh, presumably back out. And she says, yeah, you do it for the ones you loved. Um, and then he says, I think that, no, you don't. It's, it's, it's not for them. It's for yourself. Or they have a debate about that. Um, and then she, she, he apologized yeah. for locking her in the supply room, and she says, I didn't need to see it, which that's the part, like, I kind of wish that she'd push back a little bit. Like, I understand mm-hmm. that you want to, you know, be conciliatory towards him, but um, I don't know, not needing to see it. Why didn't you need to see it? Yeah. I, I, I mean, they're, they're you both. You need to see it or you don't, man. They're both trying to feel each other out, not upset or disappoint each other, and it's it's awkward. I mean, that's what teenage relationships are, right? right. They're awkward. You're testing each other. You don't know how this works. And ah, I, you're employing the attack of the clones defense, I see. Well... This is how teenagers talk. They talk no, about sand no. being coarse and... No, they talk... <laughs> Much more vigorously than and, that. And killing sand. So, so as long as he doesn't kill a whole camp of sand people, she's in the clear, is what you're saying. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. All right. Um, Gregory isn't moved by any of the heroics on display the previous night. Jesus insists that this is proof that they need to stay. Uh, Gregory says, uh, does some reverse psychology on him, says, fine, Jesus, why don't you take over, make all the calls, fix mm-hmm. the fence, deal with the people, deal with the saviors. Um, and that seems to back him off. And then he... Says he's going to say their thanks with a set of uh, rhubarb preserves, I think, mm-hmm. uh, before sending them on their way. Uh, they have this running joke that he can't remember the woman who makes the res- preserves. He can't remember Maggie's uh, name. He can't remember Aya's name. Does he remember his own name at this point? Yeah, I think he think he thinks highly of himself. So okay. yes, yeah. Um. So then Sasha is essentially saying, trying to beg for Maggie to be able to stay. And says, uh, "Is there anything we can do?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, we could we could talk about it one on one." Maggie comes back quickly to go to hell. He gets all fake defensive about the fact that he was indeed trying to, uh, you know, probably pressure her into having sex for saving Maggie's life. And then he goes, "You know what? Forget the preserves." At the same time, the saviors motor up, and he commands Jesus to hide them in the closet. Yep. So we got an R. Kelly. Mixed into the Beethoven now. Uh, Enid and Carl discover roller skates, and it was a really nice moment. Yeah, they hit the small things in life jackpot. Yeah. And I, that'd be fucking sweet. Yeah, if you hadn't roller skated forever, and now you got a chance to roller skate on this empty highway in a zombie apocalypse with your uh, the person that's currently making you tingle. Yeah. Why not? I thought it was a nice moment, a nice scene, and, and well done all around. But also, Indeed. not a ton, a ton of stuff to analyze here. He, Enid needed that, though. Yeah? Yeah. She was not looking happy during the beginning of this scene. It'd be funny, because they're not wearing helmets. It would be funny if oh, one of them God. slipped in front and they just bashed her head in. Like, how, And then got immediately back up as a walker. And <laughs> no, no. Attacked. Head, you die from head bashing. I think you're, you're just, you just stay dead, can, right? Can you imagine walkers on roller skates? What does that look like? <laughs> Uh, for entertainment, I think somebody should hold a walker down and put roller skates on both its hands and feet. 
and then put them on a a a, a, a hardwood floor <laughs> and then play yakety sax. <laughs> like it would be like it would it would at no time would it fail to cheer you up, right? Like yeah, that's just your yeah. sitcom. That you just have a room. You just have a room that. full of zombies on wheels, yeah. and you, anytime you need to pick me up, you just go and watch them. Uh, Negan's right hand man Simon pulls up to the hilltop and demands of Doctor Gregory alone, and informs him that he's not sure if he's heard, but all of the guys that they used to deal with are dead. Um, he admires a painting that Gregory is awful proud of. And uses this as a to talk about managing and how that he is a uh, easy to get along with person. And this is kind of a refutation of our conversation we had the week before where what is the proper tone to take with a savior? Mm-hmm. Like if you just roll over all the time, you get this situation where they increase the provocation until you got to stand up for yourself and then it's too late. Or you play the game that Rick plays, where he plays it pretty close to the bone, and any one time someone get their head bashed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, stressful, no matter which which side you pick. Um, but yeah, that's essentially he accuses uh, them of making the guys that died get soft, and 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 also Gregory is. I wish Simon had said something like, "Look." Either you think I'm the dumbest man alive or you actually are the dumbest man alive because this plausible deniability bullshit you're trying to pull is not flying. Mm-hmm. I wish Simon had actually articulated something like that. Although but he, it does fly. I mean it does. It and does also work. It emboldens Gregory. He thinks he's got him by the, the balls now. Yeah, I think Gregory's fooling himself. Well, but, of course. But it does. But I guess if Simon you know, was like look, see him through it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I mean, what what happens the next time he comes back? He's already he's right. going to start on on his knees and mm-hmm. just go down from there. Yeah, I actually think. Uh, well, poor choice of words. <laughs> uh, the situation will only spiral further down from there. I think probably the best part of this episode is that guy. You called him Simon. I didn't didn't pick up on his name. I think that's what his name is. But, I could yeah, be I know wrong. It could the be milk that bottle that's guy his, from that could, Westworld. I was going to say that could be his name from Westworld because he's playing two very similar gripping characters in both series. Right. So I, I, but I think it's Simon. Yeah, he's having a moment in the sun. Isn't he is. Uh, Simon Sons. Yeah, he's. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, uh, you, I get a vibe from him that is very dangerous. That is, uh, scary, and I'm I'm digging it. Yeah, no, I um he's you're you're kind of like tempted to call him a lightweight version of Negan, but I don't know that he is. Right? Yeah, I mean, I guess he just doesn't have any reason to really show you that he's not at the moment. Uh man, the actor's name's great, Stephen Ogg. Stephen Ogg? Yeah, it's like a caveman actor name. <laughs> yeah. Ogg take role. Uh <laughs> so what's going on here? Um he wants to know at the end. Um, he says, "Look, the people." And I, I did. So we said that that Negan doesn't know the hilltop and Alexander colluded. But is Simon personally suspicious of the t- of that? Because he seems like it. He talks a lot about you know we found these people who killed our people now working for us, and they're some real go getters. Mm-hmm. This could be just reminding Hilltop that you need to stand, step it up because we're going to have you know you might be challenged for your. Supremacy. It seems like maybe they play all these communities off each other. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, Hilltop be. gave his eight pigs last week. What do you got? Mm-hmm. Steel middle finger? That's cool, but it ain't eight pigs cool. Yeah, so I get, I do get the vibe that 
he doesn't personally necessarily believe they had nothing to do with each other, mm-hmm. the, these coincidences. Like, the actor's doing a lot to sell me on that because he's, you know, despite what other actors in this show tend to do, which is just try to use silence as adding some kind of emotional weight, he's actually right. letting things happen during the silence. He's, yeah. he's looking at the guy, trying to read his face. You can tell that he's trying to... Give him an opportunity to confess something to him. Is he giving him anything? Because I couldn't... I, I'm not sure if you're confronted. Like, yeah, Gregory is a Weasley kind of guy. Right. But that's just kind of the way he is. Oh, I meant the Stephen Ogg guy. Yeah, yeah, no, but... I, oh, I know, okay. Right, I'm just saying, like, is he getting anything for his fishing efforts? It it didn't seem like it, no. I guess. In the end, he got a box of whiskey. Right. Lots of scotch. Right. So. Thanks to Jesus. Uh, so he at the end he says, is there any hitches I should be aware of here in this community? And Gregory reveals that there are. And he goes to the hi- closet that he thinks that Maggie and Sasha are hiding in. But uh, instead, Jesus has... So has he... Jesus clearly took him to a different closet, but did he sw- put the alcohol in there? Hmm. I hadn't considered that, maybe. But, I mean, because I, 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 I thought that when we were doing the live watch last night, but then when I looked at it again this morning, I'm like, well, this whole area is full of saviors. How would, you know, Jesus kind of wheel a whole right. <laughs> several boxes full of scotch into there? I don't know. Um, but yeah, as someone switched or maybe he forgot about it or he just thought the women would be there and no one would pay attention to box, but whatever. Yeah. The central thing is the box of high-end scotch. And Simon shits on it, says, I'm a gin man, but never mind, because Negan loves this shit. And mm-hmm. also, I love it. It's like, hey, uh, I'm going to tell him it was for my idea, not yours, because I kind of want the headline on this. Mm-hmm. So, and then he forces him to kneel, and he takes his painting and half right. of his stuff. And I assume he's talking about like a Negan half. Yeah. So it's more like, you know, 0.75% than it is a true 50 50 split or all the good stuff. Like, is he going right. to leave that obstetrician any medicine? That's a good question. I don't know. He might be basically useless to her. Because it, it does seem like that Negan didn't take the Hilltops medicine the first time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, or they've had a, they, they were able to have quite a bit of medicine and whatnot. And maybe yeah, that's I, just something that Negan did special for Rick's group. Because I, I, I'm getting the opinion that Rick's group is the first group in a long time that's hurt him that bad. Uh, yeah, definitely. So he, he came down like the wrath of God uh-huh. for that reason. And, you know, they talk about the other saviors, the group that Rick killed, being soft or whatnot. So maybe they didn't do the proper inspection like they, they would have with True. the True. Like they weren't squeezing them as hard as they could. Yeah. Or it could be things just drying up in this area. So, you know, it's kind of like uh, that Robin Hood, animated Robin Hood deal where it's like they want more and more taxes, but the people, they start off poor and they're not getting any, any, any richer. So Where Robin Hood's the fox? Yes, that one. Yes, he did. It's the one that was con- had the controversial yiffing scene. <laughs> okay, the late seventies, early eighties weren't ready for animated so- fox sex. They just really weren't. No, nope. uh, some would say they were not ready. Uh, years <laughs> later, uh, Enid and Carl finally arrive at the hilltop, and they find it's been overrun by saviors. She intuits that he wasn't just out driving and wasn't even coming to rescue her. He was on a mission to go find Negan. Mm-hmm. And Enid quotes Carl's wisdom back at him huh. and says that, you know, killing Negan wouldn't be for uh would would be for us, not for Glenn or Maggie or Abraham. And she says, Well, if it everything goes right, how do you get away? He says it doesn't matter, and she says it matters for to me. And we have a teenage wasteland romance official. They're kissing, 
foreheads and nose bridges, and they finally make More their way that. to the lips. Yeah, uh, we get just got just got hormones raging for, coming off the screen. Yep, and good says, good moment for the teenage couple. It is. I'm I'm, it. I, I'm I'm I I actually think it's cool that Carl's getting like a full on adult plot. Yeah, and Enid by extension because I thought her character is always interesting as well. Oh yeah. Uh, she says, please don't go. He says, I'm not. I'm going home. And she says that you're a liar. And he totally is. Totally is lying to her. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why bother? Why bother with the lie when she says that she knows I don't know. you're lying? Yeah, that's a little silly. But people people do it. People do it people all the time. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Gregory explodes on Jesus and said, I told you to hide him in the closet. And he correctly says, this is a closet. <laughs> And Sasha tries to get in a word edgewise, and he goes, honey, I'm talking to Jesus, which I found, again, <laughs> sublimely funny. Right. And Jesus says, hold up, and he starts to lay down the law, says, You're, she's staying, all of them are staying, mm-hmm. and, and, and unless you want me to make this public. And he says, you're not going to be in charge anymore, and we're all going to be one big, happy, dysfunctional family, which the Hilltop doesn't seem dysfunctional except for Gregory. Yeah. I think this will be easier to accomplish than Jesus thinks. I think so. I'm glad to see him stand up to Gregory because Gregory's a shitbag uh, and a cowardly shitbag at that, and I don't think Jesus is any of those things. You know what the shittiest, baggiest thing he's done? What's that? Steal Herschel's watch uh, off. Gl- he's a grave robber. You're right. You're right. He's a grave robber, for God's sake. That's pretty fucking low, man. I, Necrophiliacs and grave robbers are like the lowest of the low in their society. Yep. Uh, so she steals back Glenn's watch and punches him right in the face and says, this is our home. And 103% torn now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Marsha or dear or honey. I'm Maggie Ree. Mm-hmm. And this is my torn uterus talking. <laughs> so anything else to say about this? Uh, no. Yeah. Um, it was good. I enjoyed this stuff. Yeah, and then so Jesus makes a speech about he was, you know, the Gregory was just in charge when I got here, and I guess it just happened. I couldn't imagine anyone else. I, mm-hmm. I found this in, unconvincing. Yeah, like I said, I think there's more to Jesus than meets the eye. I wish I knew more because, like, I, is there, like, something where, like, you know, maybe he was a good peacetime kind of leader, but mm-hmm. as soon as the Savior showed up, it was uh, all bad because I could see this guy being, you know, a fake it till you make it guy like Ezekiel. But he just didn't have enough time for that to fully set in before the Negan came. He was forced to play, you know, a sniveling shitbag. I, I don't know. Yeah. But the guy still, you know, I don't know. He's the kind of guy to steal a pocket watch off of someone's grave. Like, I don't think there's ever any hope for this guy now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, this guy's a de facto leader. He's not an actual leader. Yeah. Uh, Gregory, I'd, he's he's lucky to be in the position he's in because he'd be cast out and or useless right if he wasn't the leader of this community de facto of course from the latin meaning the fucker right he's the, <laughs> he's fucker, the fucker leader, leader. uh so he's trying to be anyway right he's and, eyeing everything that comes in the room and, and he also said jesus also says i couldn't imagine anyone else in this place but i can now and maggie has the nerve to turn around and say who right. oh you're so adorable you don't know how what, what a badass you are yep um so she leaves to go visit, I think, Glenn's grave again, and Sasha, Sasha says to Jesus, because Jesus is apologizing that he couldn't get uh, Gregory on board sooner, because if you want to make it up to us, find out where Negan lives, and Jesus is like, can do. Yeah. Then Sasha says something that I don't understand. I want to leave Maggie out of it. 
Mm-hmm. Is it because that she knew Maggie went on that big spiel about not wanting to be responsible for anyone's death? And she I, knows this has to, like, maybe they don't do anything for, uh, with it. Mm-hmm. But finding out where Negan sleeps is step one to overthrowing him. And she knows that's yeah. important and needs to happen. Yeah, step one to killing him, too. I mean, it right. feels to me like there's going to be a squad of people trying to kill yeah. Negan pretty soon. Like, yeah. Carl is going to be trying to kill Negan. Sasha... Right. Rosita, maybe Maggie. Yeah, Rosita's already trying. Right, she's getting bullets ready. I, th- there's going to be a gang of people coming after. That him. would be interesting. That like it's not a top down decision like Rick making everyone decide to do it. It's like a bottom up, a grassroots execution. Right, could very well be. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, sh- Jesus says he doesn't like it, and Sasha says I don't either. But I kind of see that. I think Maggie would want to go with her. Is the problem? Well, not- oh, really? Yeah. I think Maggie and maybe Maggie and Rick are on the. I don't want anyone else to die because of me bandwagon. Yeah. So they are going to have to be kind of managed around instead of leading from the front. I mean, that is also true. Definitely. Yes. Um, I-, I just think she saw Maggie spring into action with a fucking tractor this episode sure. after she told her to sit like a dog and she did she sat on that uh probably right probably uh air air conditioned and spring-loaded uh uh-huh. tractor seat some of those tractors are fucking nice man i know yeah pretty you nice need air conditioning out in the hot sun all day come on i mean you don't need it but it probably makes the job a lot easier you either need that or you need like a gallon of water <laughs> two gallons of water maybe uh so maggie then finds enid who has tied balloons to what she thinks is glenn's grave <laughs> and uh uh, th- I like this kind of like subtle humor that they don't really call attention to. Um, Enid, yeah, it's almost nice when they don't call attention to some of their jokes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just just let it play. Yeah. Let it play out there. Uh, Enid <laughs> treats Maggie to grilled cheese and Tom. Uh, Maggie confesses to tractoring over boy in high school's Camaro, <laughs> which like, what? That's actionable. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, you know, I mean, I, I get, you know, it's... Uh, it's not like that's unheard of in mm-hmm. musical context. Like, you know, I, I, there's probably been a Shania Twain, a Dixie Chicks, uh, yep. uh, talking about fucking up their boyfriend's ride when they step out of line. But still, still. That's, most of the time it's like keying it or deflating yeah, a tire. Like flattening with the tractor <laughs> seems a little extreme. A little bit. Depends on what he did, I guess. That's that's true. Maybe he flattened her car, or car with the tractor <laughs> right. first. It was a revenge. about. It's yeah. revenge tractoring. <laughs> Uh, Sasha comes uh, home and is offered dinner as well because she made a pile of grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. And asked, why are there balloons in Abraham's grave? (laughs) (laughs) That's great, yeah. (laughs) Which was really good. good. Uh, Maggie has now adopted a hilltop burial theory and says we don't need remembrances because uh, we don't need to mark graves because uh, we have us. And she then gives, um, she gives Enid Glenn's pocket watch. Mm Mm-hmm. And says these are now the keys to your vagina. Don't give him that, Carl. He's got weird hair. Yeah, and he wears a sheriff's hat. This is just such a darts. Just take it from experience. This is the kind of guy whose Camaro you're going to be backing over with a tractor. Don't want to give him the pocket watch. So why does she adopt this philosophy so quickly? I think it makes sense. I really do. Like, okay, and she's in a situation where she probably can't mark Glenn's grave because why would you do that? You know. In fact, you, maybe you should probably take down the stuff and smooth over the dirt because you, no one can know you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like I, I still think the whole diary of Maggie Ree is on the table. Like she's going to have to be hiding from the saviors, her and Sasha. 
No, they're, they're definitely, recognizable yeah. figures, so they're going to be fugitives within Hilltop. Yeah. Um, so I think the whole like getting getting over the fact that you can't have big monuments and markers to people is something that a makes sense and b is going to serve her stealth capability. I guess so. It just seemed like she was gung ho about keeping that pocket watch, and then this this very much strikes me as Gregory's philosophy, not necessarily Jesus. Like he comes into this community. Gregory's like, we burn our dead. And He's I, shouting about and it. I like, rifle through their pockets. <laughs> right. It it just, I guess, surprised me that she so quickly turned uh, turned face, did, a, did an about face on that. Uh, we end the episode with Sasha sharpening her knife and smoking a big fat cigar, something yeah. that she's taken from Abraham's playbook. Uh, Jesus stows away into one of the Negan's vehicles and discovers a Carl got there first. And yep. Jesus also takes a big swig of the premium uh, scotch and then pours it out the back. Um, Must be a gin guy. Well, what I'm thinking is that's the bottle that seemed to really impress um, Simon. Uh, or, well, it's the one and, that Gregory and, grabbed, right? Right. Well, that's the one that they were all looking at. And, like, mm-hmm. that's the bottle to stick out in your mind. And this guy's going to personally present this stuff to Negan. Mm. Maybe don't drink the bottle that was out of the box and he's going to be easily recognized. Oh. He's going to fill it up with urine. Yeah. And if he'd spit in it or if he'd pissed into it, that'd make sense. But just, just drinking it, throwing it out and throwing it out the bottle, like, it's it's missing. What the hell? That's suspicious. What could he put in there? That would pass well, for fine scotch? Here's, here's what I thought. Well... It doesn't have to pass you have this to piss through test, some but... peat at the very at the very. He'd have to get a big old block of peat and piss can, through it if you want even hope to you can pass make off. That happen, yeah, I that's, guess. That's so I thought he was just going to dump it all out and just piss him off. Like, <laughs> what would they think at that point? I guess they would think that one of the saviors had probably stolen it, and then someone would probably get their heads bashed in and be the wrong person. Ha ha. Yeah, just but so if you're wanting to run a stealth mission. Discord. Step one, leave no trace, man. Don't leave any obvious evidence that you were ever there. Maybe they're going to fill it with nitroglycerin. All I know, haha, uh, Westworld crossover, eh? <laughs> yep. All I know is that Jesus stowing away with Carl to go investigate the Savior Complex sounds like a lot of fun. It does. I'm on board with this. And that's the episode. All right. Do we want to get just some feedback? I presume we have feedback. We do. Hey everybody, here to tell you about how you can support Bald Move by uh, joining up for the club. And I'm doing that as a kind of commercial for the upcoming activities we're going to be doing for the club. Last year, for the month of December, we did a lot of cool stuff. We called it the 25 Days of Bald Move Christmas, and we composed an original song. We drank uh, alcohol from a booze tree every year, or every year, every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we, the shots we should have taken on the weekend, we took all before we did our lunch with Jim and Aaron on Fridays and got really lit up and then took to the cameras and mics. And it went better than expected. Everyone seemed to like it. Mm-hmm. This year we're up in the odds. We're doing uh, the, the, the badass bald move Christmas. Uh, because we're, 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 we're shedding light on some of the non-traditional Christmas choices. We're going to do a live watch of Rocky Four, which I didn't know was a Christmas movie, but apparently he fights Drago on Christmas Day. Sure as shit does, and he trains a lot up in the snowy mountains of Russia, so that's yep. going to feel very atmospheric and, and Christmas cheery. And we're going to do a live watch of that. We're also going to do a podcast, and we're then also going to do um, the lunches, and they're going to be all spiced up because we got the uh, a whiskey advent calendar right from the mastersofmalt.com, and... Uh, 
uh, every 30 minutes in the live watch, we're going to take we're going to take one of these these fine whiskeys down and drink them. Uh, so it will be an incre- increasingly interesting experience. The podcast will be as you'd expect, and then we're going to drink whatever we have left for the week and on lunch. Uh, probably doing a lot of show and tell um, mm-hmm. with with the Christmas stuff. Uh, the next week is going to be uh, Die Hard. Week after that is Jingle on all the way. We're doing the same treatment of Live Watch podcast and Drunken Lunches for all all three. And then there's also going to be a surprise fourth Christmas movie the the week of Christmas coming out. So if you want to get in on that, you got to be a club member. This is stuff we're doing over the holidays just for our club members. Uh, club.baldmove.com. Not only to support. Uh, independent podcasting and keep us uh, keep the bits flowing from the Bald Move headquarters, but you get a lot of extra stuff, and that's just a sample. Um, if you go to club.baldmove.com, we have uh, some from some free examples of some of the stuff you can get in the club. Uh, you also get ad free feeds, VIP access to the forums. There's a bunch of stuff. Check it out. Club.baldmove.com. We start off with Nola, who says uh, some stuff about previous episodes. We're going to cover that quickly. Uh, Daryl was a lot weepier in Alexandria than he was when we last saw him in Negan's compound. Why? I think Daryl is ashamed to be back in front of his friends. He doesn't know if they blame him for Glenn's death like he blames himself. And so he's racked with guilt that he may not uh, think he deserves to be with them. I think that's partly why he doesn't plead his case to Negan to stay in Alexandria. He believes he deserves his punishment. Thoughts? That seems sound. Yeah. Um, also, if Daryl is a guy who punishes himself. Uh, also, maybe he's trying to like he's finally learned his lesson, and he's like, "Look, um, I'm not going to give you anything to make you think that you have to save me, because yeah. I don't want you to save me and get anyone killed." Like, you imagine if like if he had really played into all that stuff, maybe you know, because Rick's kind of on a knife edge about going on along with this stuff. At any mm-hmm. at any day, he could be like, "Fuck this, let's just mount up and try to kill Negan again," and maybe Daryl doesn't want that to happen, but. Um, I like that take as well. Uh, she says also, I guess there were no reper- repercussions for Daryl's escape attempt from Easy Street. Ugh. Yep. Apparently not. I guess not. Apparently not. Jenny D says, weren't sure if you saw the commercials, but oh, yes. Corey Hawkins? Who is Corey Hawkins? Is starting in, starring in a reboot of 24 on Fox. Pretty sure he's not going to make it back with Tara. Oh, it's the guy who plays Heath. Uh, another African-American, the victim of the apocalypse. If I were Seth Gilliam, I'd start looking for other work now. Uh, also, we might not have seen them in the season yet because Alana Masterson did have a kid after the end of season six, so she probably wasn't ready to shoot when they started production on season seven. Sure. That's a fair point. No, no, to- uh, totally. It's it still, sucks for the show, but yeah, you know, it sucks for the show. The and reality I'm, I'm, is what the reality is. I'm certain if they cared, they could have gotten a couple scenes shot in advance. I just don't. Yeah. I think. I think. It's a bigger problem is they just don't you're not going to sweat a detail like that. They're yeah. not going to sweat day night raining clear skies. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sweat like oh you know what just take a couple weeks you know you know, we'll, we'll just we'll shoot around you for eight nine episodes they even could though you're like recast her for a few weeks <laughs> like they did the mountain <laughs> sure in Game yeah. of Thrones <laughs> we need you to just kind of like come we need some girl to come in and fist bump people and then cry right. ugly cry make a really ugly cry for like three weeks and then you'll be back and right, it'll right. be good yeah. no one will notice <laughs> totally is something they could have tried Craig says the question came up last week about whether the blender gun was still in play I think it's a safe bet that the gun is long gone since a couple of seasons ago we saw Nicholas take it and then attempt to kill Glenn course that didn't happen so i assume the blender gun was what nicholas eventually killed himself with in the okay. dumpster gate episode that i like i said so that I, I felt like the blender gun was was dealt with yeah 
it's out there somewhere, but nowhere near our survivors. Right. Melanie says, uh, as for why Rick was okay lying about Maggie but not guns, Maggie is a person, guns or not. And uh, I think we both agree with that. Sure. <laughs> uh, the people are she, While she might be indeed a pistol, she is not literally a gun. Mm, good one. <laughs> handing over a gun or even a fuck ton of guns is categorically not the same thing as handing over a person. These things are not equal, and for Rick to recognize that that is neither bad storytelling nor inconsistent with his character. I know you aren't jerks who meant it that way. I'm a woman, and I had the same thoughts you guys did, and it took me a few days to work out how to even articulate my discomfort. I'm not judging you for it because I was right there with you wondering the same thing, but should probably, but it should probably bother us that we even wondered. Well, yeah, so when I talked about that, I was not saying he should have given up Maggie because he gave up the guns. I was saying in for a penny, in for a pound, right? You've already hidden something from him. Right. Hide some guns, too. Yeah. Either one of those are merit death, and I guess, like, more to her point, she's saying, like, if you're going to take a risk on anything, take a risk on someone's life. Right, um, but but the risk is already taken once you've done that. But I also So think now take the risk of having some guns and some protection and... Yeah. No, and I also think it's fair to explore the cost of, you know, how much do you sacrifice for one person, good of the many versus good of few, and the fact that, like... Seth and Rick do this, not Seth, Jesus, Father, um, Gabriel and Rick do this unilaterally. It's not like they pull Alexandria and everybody like, yep, I'm comfortable with one of my friends or family being beat to death because of this girl that you're attached to, who also is a a brand new person to most of us. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, I mean, I wasn't even thinking of like, oh, you monsters, it's a woman. Yeah, I knew all that, but I'm like, you know, these are just some of the tough questions you got to ask yourself as a leader in Rick's position. So, like, I'm, yeah. I'm not even going to back away and say I wasn't going there. I was totally going there, and I think it's fair to wonder at what point do you, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, you know, the potential risk. So if he if he gives up Maggie, that's a guaranteed problem for Maggie. Right. If If he keeps Maggie around and hides her, that's a potential problem later in the future. So sure. I would say those two things are probably not equal, and I would make the same call Rick did. No, the risk analysis isn't. Right, right. You're so... Right. You know, that that's the decision I would make. And then I would also make the decision, you know what? I've already done something Negan's going to kill somebody for. Let's do some more and keep some right. weapons around. Right. Like, you know, let's do the same risk analysis about, you know, that we... That, and, and the other thing is, um, I think this also serves to show the difference between a guy like Rick, a girl like Maggie, and a guy like uh, Gregory. Uh-huh. Gregory sells people out. Maggie and Rick don't. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it seems to be the case. Uh, let's move on to Ryan. He says, what's up, guys? Just want to send this link. Uh, it is a link to an article about Daryl's Morse code message to Rick. Have you have you seen this? Have you heard about this? No. Holy shit. Okay. When, when did this, so when this, did this was, happen? This was when Daryl's hauled off the truck to come examine Alexandria with, with the Neganites. Okay. Uh there, so early on in the episode, there's a Morse code chalkboard or poster or something yeah, in the background. Right. No, I remember us saying you can see all the letters with all the symbols. Yep, um, I remember us making a joke on the live watch about it. Yeah, and then later on, Daryl gets off the truck and he's conspicuously blinking. Now, a lot of people were just thinking, myself included, that this was him clearing his eyes right. because he hasn't seen sunlight in a while. Right. Right. Which makes sense, but a lot of people were also speculating this may be Morse code to Rick. If it is, what was the Morse code message? If it was, it's I-E-A-S-T. I-E-A-S-T. 
IST, which could I... potentially be I East or I'm East. Oh. Is he trying to maybe say where where they're coming from? The where Negan's compound is. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's a possibility. It's pretty slick. Almost so, too slick. Like, like the fact that I don't believe Rick could this, do it. You're going to introduce this Morse code element as a chalkboard feature. Uh huh. Like, and I remember us making a joke like, "Who the fuck is communicating through Morse code? Like, what what yeah. purpose does this could this have? Like, and I, I mean. All right. It's like the idea that Rick would realize in the moment that that is, in fact, what Daryl is doing and then sure. remember exactly the dots and dashes I mean, if you're he good, did. If you're good at Morse code, you can just read that shit. Right. Like, We've never seen Rick no. ever use Morse code. No. So I don't I don't buy that Rick would have picked up on it. Right. And that you'd be able to do it just like because I feel like it takes a good like probably year of constant use before you get it to, like it's a language to you, you know? Sure. Same yeah. with like signal flags or anything like mm-hmm. you. Uh, yeah, like if you served as a sub midshipman on a destroyer in the World War II, you could probably read Morse code through through, through someone's eye blinking or something. But you probably just see Morse code in your sleep. Probably like, do. You probably you see do. it everywhere. But otherwise, get the fuck out of here. Right. Uh, and also, that probably should have been a bigger deal. I don't. I. I man, goddamn it, that does seem likely. But why wouldn't they make it a bigger deal? I. I feel like maybe they will eventually. Okay. Maybe here it was just the tease. Okay. All right. Well, good catch if so. I East. Yeah. Uh, Dan I from, East. Dan from Philly says, I love to point out all the bullshit this show throws at us. And man, is it a lot. The fact that two Alpha Survivor kids decided to don roller skates, the five episodes it took to get back to Maggie, Carl's hair. But when you use an AMC Pacer as a rolling death car, you get my props. After all, that car and this show have a lot in common. Very rarely do you see either one working well. Man, wasn't there, that's... Wasn't there like a fire hazard on one of those cars too? Or is that the Pinto? I think that might be what he's referring to. That okay. might have been the Pinto actually. Okay. Yeah, which is not an AMC car. Because like there was no shortage of really shitty... Oh, yeah. You know, that, the, those were the Aztec, uh, or Pontiac Aztecs of the day where everyone just kind of like... Why? What? Yeah. Although I was researching a little bit into it, and I guess um, some of them were highly regarded as, like, pocket muscle cars. That seems hard to believe, but... (laughs) Well, if you put a big enough engine in it, so big that it maybe explodes every so often. No, I the concept of a sleeper. Like, that's really cool when you have, like, uh, you know, uh, what looks like an otherwise sleepy sedan that turns out it's a fire-breathing monster. Like, that's... I always thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Sleeper car definitely has a place in my heart. I just didn't see, like... It's just fucking ugly, man. It's hideous, yeah. They really are. Sir Nerd 84 says, About the future of the Negan-Rick storyline, something I haven't heard anyone talk about is the fact that Judith is still alive. What are your thoughts on Negan ending Judith's life to cement his place in villain history? Too squicky for you, too? It's not too squicky. It's just like, mur- like really? Murdering a baby is going to get some people. They're like, let's give this Negan guy a chance. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're doing a bad job conveying he's an evil guy. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, that's... They don't need you it. You don't need to further inflame, like, every six, second the saviors are on screen, I'm just like, oh, these guys need to die. These guys need to die. Yeah. So, you know, killing a baby would just, I feel like, be a little exploitative for no real dramatic or now, storytelling the, reason. If the you guys need to die trend starts to reverse, mm-hmm. maybe they need to, you know, steer back in the right direction. <laughs> sure. They could have that happen, but 
you know, I'm I'm rooting for the zombie baby. Hopefully, it doesn't bash its brains in. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Alexandrians start this whole "here's not here, them ain't us" bullshit again, right. then maybe we start swinging back towards the savior's <laughs> sympathy. But then, then you got to kill a Judith. You got to. You got to. Nathan E says, "Holy shit, they actually did it." took five episodes this season, but The Walking Dead actually managed to tell two storylines in one episode. I, I think two is cutting it. I think it's three. That's you got, fair. You got, you got uh, you know, um, Michonne, Michonne's uh, point of view. You got, you got the Carl and Enid story, and you got the mm-hmm. shit going on at the hilltop. Uh, I know it's a little dry pie, but wouldn't it be great if more episodes were like this? Yes. I like how the two storylines merged into one at the end to move the plot forward. That was also very good. I think it's de facto the fucker more interesting when you have multiple plots that and it also allows one plot to be kind of a info dump or a character moment without dragging down because you've got you, right. can, you can also have some action or some suspense and other plots. Mm-hmm. He uh, he goes on. Also, Carl wants to infiltrate the savior compound, but how does he plan to defend himself? We know he couldn't have taken the gun, taken a gun from Alexandria. Assuming Jesus doesn't give him anything, is there a chance he took a weapon from Hilltop off screen? Darts. And if He's so, got six of them. I was going to say he took the darts with him, <laughs> but he can't He can't hit anything with those darts. Mm. He's that's, been, that's the thing. He's like, uh, that's the beginning montage. You didn't see the rest of it. Maybe he thinks he can get good enough on the truck. He like found... He's going to be throwing those darts. Little known, there is a there is a abandoned warehouse in the uh, Virginia DC Metroplex that all you know when the lawn jarts company went out of business because everybody yeah. sued for safety they they all were warehoused there and he's he's found a warehouse full of jarts and he's going to jart up all of the Savior's complex. <laughs> okay, they'll never see it coming. I don't. I, I'm not sure he needs a weapon to defend himself now that he's got Jesus. That's true. Jesus is pretty badass. He's got Jesus as his co-pilot. Jesus on his side. Uh, uh, but he, no, yeah, they, hmm. I guess he's got a knife and he's just going to try to get in close. Probably. I mean, maybe he thinks his plan is that Negan is fascinated by me. He's probably going to give a big watermelon ball speech about me and put his arm on my shoulder. And that's when I'm going to slide this knife in between his ribs. Yeah. I mean, what it, Maybe his story is going to just be, I wanted to come check out the place. Like, mm. he doesn't have to say, hey, I'm here to kill you. Right. I mean, just him showing up, I think Negan's going to, it's, it's Rick's son, mm-hmm. so he's going to get a personal audience with them. He's going to massively underestimate Carl, and Carl is probably smart enough to count on all those things happening. Take he's his got, eye. He's got all, <laughs> he's got all the previous um, interactions with Negan, where Negan seems like, you know... He is impressed with him, yeah, uh, and doesn't want to hurt him. Probably because also that's a lot of leverage he has over Rick. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very curious to see how they handle this moment. Tony M says, "Finally, finally, we get a confrontation of the cocktease that was Carl and Enid. Carl has uh, he has someone now, and I get interested in the people that have someone to love in a romantic way. Yeah, that's I, that's something you, they they can lose. So that makes them right. a lot more interesting than the faceless." hordes of alexander in the hilltop yep i thought no one could replace the hole in my heart that was my favorite character glenn but carl filled the hole this episode did he <laughs> i don't think he i didn't did. see that on screen I did for, he got the first maybe second base because yeah. the camera was cut pretty high i don't know <laughs> fill in the hole might have to wait until he gets back from that is the crass saviors. i disapprove really on, yeah on our podcast i disappear. okay noted <laughs> mike from kentucky uh, says, I really try to ignore all the obvious stuff in The Walking Dead that the show fails on, 
But for years, I've been wondering why no one grabbed a couple of big tractors and bush hogs and just started driving through the herds. <laughs> now it seems even more painfully obvious that the most dramatic tension on the show is created by stupidity to make oh, a can clumsy... Can you imagine what a fucking combine? Yeah. Like one of those big rig, fully enclosed, 30-foot <laughs> wide combines would do to like a herd. Yeah, it'd be disgusting and amazing. It would make a, it would make a highway through the walkers, no problem. Yeah. Jesus. And they're out there. They're in abundance. I yeah. mean, it's Georgia, for God's sake. Yeah. They grow stuff there. <laughs> you can probably find a giant-ass combine, international John Deere combine, uh, in any state in the Union. Yeah. Barring maybe Alaska. Why the fuck would Alaska have combines? <laughs> they obviously can't grow anything in their dead soil. Right. Uh, he goes on maybe to Maybe make... Arizona's a bad choice for combine, too. Yeah. New yeah, Mexico. Great. All right. Oh, there are several, apparently. Uh, to make a clumsy analogy, a good roller coaster makes you feel safe and still thrills you by doing the unexpected. A bad coaster scares you by making you think something will go wrong and you'll die. The Walking Dead feels like a cheap coaster sometimes. Hey, hey, the Beast does that, and the that's be- one of the all-time greats. But but it's the best there is at what it does, which is make you that's think true. that this is the time that this <laughs> fucking thing's going to fly off the track and kill us. Yep. And that's part of the charm. That's why I love it. Yep. Uh Jenkins B says, hey, guys, doesn't it bother you that every other character in this show, besides whoever is the current villain, is always a joke and can be easily manipulated, influenced, taken advantage of, or overpowered by even one of our main or secondary characters? Yeah. I'm aware that our group um, our group members are strong and have been molded by their experiences in the apocalypse, but likewise, haven't Gregory, Jesus, Ezekiel, etc.? Right. Many times in the show, these other characters we encounter get easily swayed from their customs, beliefs, and traditions of doing things by one rousing, halftime-esque speech from a Maggie, Sasha, Glenn, etc. For once, I'd like to see a strong-willed character who isn't a villain. The closest I've come to seeing one is Enid. She is quickly becoming my favorite character on this show, and I hope she doesn't fall into the Walking Dead stereotype and becomes Carl's damsel puppet. That's a good point, and there's certainly a danger at some of the... the relatively weak storytelling told on a show that that'll happen mm-hmm. but i mean on the other hand i'm a star trek fan and like honestly 90 percent of star trek is them going to planets that have obviously backwards customs and bullshit picard slash janeway slash kirk giving a speech about how yeah. fucking backwards and stupid it is and them of course being right so mm-hmm. like maybe like, i don't notice that as much because yeah you're you're right like it does seem like whoever has got like their name in the front of the episode is going to just bolt, you know, bowl over whoever is the guest star. Yeah, by design. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're we're getting the hero's point of view, right? Mm-hmm. And the hero is someone we want to identify with, and we want to be right. So I think it makes a lot of sense. It would be nice, and maybe that. I guess eventually the question is, what happens when you run into someone just like Rick? Like, I guess that would be the most interesting possibility is if Alexandria ran into another Alexandria where there's nothing Hmm. overtly villainous about what's going on. Like, there's no guy having 13 wives and iron in people's face. There's no uh, the 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 police class raping people in the back. There's no people getting hot plates. It's just a bunch of survivors who are bitter and paranoid from their experiences, and you play them off one another. That would be super interesting. Yeah, I mean, even with, you know, Ezekiel and his tribe up there, it seems like... Maybe that's the closest. They're they're close, but but they're not those battle-hardened people, right? 
they, they still do seem... have some fighters, but like you know, Ezekiel's not Rick, right? At all, yeah. And, and and his people aren't aren't the the survivors from our main group, right? His people are more like the Alexandrians or the people from Woodbury. They're kind of sheltered from all the hardships. Yeah, that's true. The the people in the kingdom proper, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, shout out to Edwin D who gave me all the information about darts and cross uh, cross sight shooting and all that stuff. Uh, moving what, on. What do you say about jarts? Uh, he he tells me to stay away from them. They're very dangerous. <laughs> uh, Tom in a Volkswagen has a light ribbing for you here. Aaron, me? Yeah, I'm unribbable. Uh, he he says Aaron is often mentioned that he enjoys the Rick Carl father son dynamic. I want to help Aaron out. Even adjusting for the hypothetical zombie apocalypse world, Rick is a moron. Okay. Please don't be like Rick. There was a time Rick herded a gabillion zombies and cattle drove said zombies right by the idyllic community Rick and his followers call home. Uh-huh. Carl must have been thinking, damn, my dad is an idiot. I lost an eye for this. Uh-huh. Later, Rick, without knowing the relative strength, starts a war with mysterious saviors. Carl, direct quote, dad did it again. What the fuck? I hope I don't get stabbed. Yeah. Uh, well, under the care, in scare quotes, of his father, Carl has been shot twice. Please enlighten us. What is it about Rick and Carl that captures your attention? Bad choices, failed leadership, shared headgear. Anxious listeners are curious. 128 ounces of chocolate pudding. <laughs> that you're right. The only the only thing Carl's ever done to rebel is constantly trying to escape his inept parents in season two. That's true. And mostly yeah. succeed. And still and, and calling eat, bullshit on all his dad's stuff. And eat a gallon of chocolate pudding. Right. Which is probably punishment. In, in, in itself. Um, I mean, real talk, people fuck up, you know? I mean, Rick fucked up. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. paid the yeah. price. Yeah, he fucks up a lot. And But on this end, I, I do think that, I don't know, like, this stretches back to, like, um, I, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm kind of a sap and I'm a sucker. Like, I think of Rick and Carl and I think at the time, like, when, like, uh, Rick pulls up for the first time and is reunited with his family and, like... Yeah. You know, Chandler Riggs, like, going for broke for a little boy or being reunited for his dad performance. And, mm-hmm. you know, Rick having to explain things to Carl up in the attic of the farmhouse. Uh, um, you uh, know, mm. there, there's there been a lot of, like, really good moments that they've had. Um, you know, Carl having to kill his mom. And, like, I yeah. he, I mean, I'm not... Which dis- his dad would have approved of. And, and I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with anything you're, you're saying. It's just, um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a little bit more of a sucker for that stuff. Uh and I and, and and despite their failures, I kind of want them to succeed. I want them to figure this out. And really, the bad plan stuff is on the people around him too. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody was calling bullshit on his plan, even though it was obviously bad. We did. Carl yeah, did. Right. Nobody else did. Right. Well, but the other thing is, no one else had a better plan. There are a thousand better plans. There, but, Someone could have had one. Carhartt should have. B- yeah. Brought it up. The right, that's on him. Yeah, they well should have got Reg's blueprint paper and like done it like Tom and Jerry, where he had the big old like plan that that that, that unfolds slowly over the episode. I I mean, yeah. you know, like yeah, give him a better give him a better option. Don't just let Rick steamroll you. Yep. So Jeff in Raleigh, North Carolina, says as far as last night's Walking Dead, I loved it. I've already seen a few critics trash it, so I felt compelled to write in and offer a dissenting voice. Assuming you guys feel the same way as the other critics. Eh, not really. No, I don't think this is a trash-worthy episode. No. This is a above-average episode of The Walking Dead. Yeah. In my opinion, Go-Getters was 90% of what could be good about The Walking Dead. The Enid and Carl young love montage was sweet and unexpected. The stubbornness and stale 
Ness, staleness of the hilltop leader juxtaposed against the vitality of the Maggie, Sasha, and Jesus triumvirate was beautifully played. There was even the gratuitous creative zombie kill of the week as Maggie drove the tractor over the horde. It was a light, hopeful episode. For the heavy, torture-laden episodes we've had so far this year, it was a great way to cleanse this palette. Sure, the writers should be repentant for some of the Jesus clunky dialogue, and I don't know if Lauren Cohan is a good actress, but otherwise, this episode gave me a hopeful glimmer into the future of this world, and it was much needed. What's it like to throw over an old, outdated white guy for strong female leadership? What is it like? What would that feel like, I wonder? I I'll, I'll, I, I, I might never know. Yeah, you you definitely will <laughs> never know. You uh, can live it vicariously, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, walking but, dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Although, no, you might be able to go for it. I say... Get get the transition mm-hmm. and just go for broke. Take some power from some old white males. Okay, there you go. Uh, I, I yeah, I mean, I'm not the one that was trashing this episode. If, even if I thought some of the stuff was hokey and didn't work, which I'm, honestly I can't think of anything anything that jumped out other than Gregory's inept leadership, but that's part of the plot. Uh, the fact that they deftly balanced multiple storylines is something that like even if i thought this was secretly shit i'd probably at least try to carry its water because i want them to encourage them to do that more hmm. now how do we know you're not doing that right now because i'm openly and honestly talking about the dual nature of my and wife. not secretly hiding the fact that you think it was shit no i don't i didn't <laughs> like i said it's not that's the greatest thing i've ever seen on television but it's certainly not like right i i didn't read any of the critical analysis because number one it's getting harder and harder to find um, like most of the mind standbys quit watching the show. Like Seppenwall checked out, I think two seasons ago, and he yeah. was on the last of the the holdouts. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I I thought it's above average for this era of the Walking Dead episode, and suffered from most none of the storytelling weaknesses that plagued the show. Yeah, that's always rough when you get, uh, you know, thinking about it critically. That's that's kind of starts to decline, and then you can you can sort of tell how good a show is by how many professionals are talking about it, right? Right. Because I look at, you know, there's, sure, there's a million and a half. There's more than there's ever been BuzzFeed fucking Huffington Post articles out there about this show. Mm-hmm. Talking about the top ten things you missed, talking about Morse code and Dale's eyes. Right. Daryl's eyes, rather. Uh <laughs> There are a thousand and one of those, but you're losing all the critics. Mm-hmm. You're losing the people who watch television to talk about the good and the bad of television. Right. Now it's just the fanboys shouting into an empty room of themselves. Right. And I, that's not useful. Yeah. Like I said, I mean. For me, it, I mean, it, I'm not looking to just be a champion of a show that's mediocre or a fanboy of a particular show. Yeah. I want to hear what people are saying about it who have actual opinions, not just this is the best thing I've ever seen. Right. Well, and the other thing is, like, even the Morse code, like, that's a cool idea, but I kind of want to fight just giving it to them because it seems like it's not been extremely well-developed. Yeah, I'm going to say yet. Yet, right. Right, if if Daryl does this every time they come and Rick eventually goes, oh, yeah, duh, he's doing Morse code. I'm not saying just that. I'm just saying, like, why? Why did they start teaching everyone Morse code? I mean, like, there's a lot of reasons, like, It'd be like if uh, they somehow started communicating with Braille. Why did the community start learning to read Braille? Wait, who? Like, what why does Alexander? Why is Alexander as a community starting to oh, they tr- try to teach Morse code? 
I mean, there's nothing that says they're learning Morse code. Yeah, the, the, the blackboard that has Morse code on it implies that right, someone is I, teaching Morse code in the community. It like doesn't some, imply that. It implies well, it could be a decoration. I mean, there are a thousand things in there that okay, don't well, imply anything. That's what anything. I'm saying. So if it's just decoration incidental, the fact I'm never going to buy that Rick knows Morse code or has learned Morse right, code. Right, but what if they have a scene where Daryl's gathering up mattresses or whatever the fuck for Negan and uh-huh. Rick's in the house and Daryl like conspicuously is like looking over at the Morse code thing, trying to get Rick to notice. So Daryl picked up Morse code. Maybe he's always known it. I would buy that. Okay. You really frankly. would. Yeah. Running around as a neglected youth in the woods. He picked up Morse code. Yeah, sure. All right. He's got, he's more likely than just about anyone else too. I yeah. Mean, I'm just saying it's more likely that this is going to turn out to be kind Abraham of like a, probably knew a it. plot convenient thing rather than something yeah. that's going to seem cool in retrospect. Maybe. We'll see how they handle it. Yeah, we'll have to. Bill from Houston says, In The Walking Dead, there is always some kind of reason to shoehorn in some zombie kills just to appeal to the masses and for the showrunners to think they are staying true to the show concept. Most episodes, there is a valid reason to have zombie kills. Sometimes, though, they don't have to get really creative to be able to cram something in. Or, sorry, they have to get creative. Usually it works well enough so that I don't mind and can overlook how it is forced, but this episode has tested my patience far beyond any other. The nighttime zombie invasion in the hilltop was so unnecessary and stupid that it really detracted from the show. What was the savior's goal in letting those zombies loose on the hilltop? I mean, they stated it in the episode. Why are you asking me? (laughs) If they suspected Gregory of being behind the killing of the satellite station of saviors, how could they confirm? They obviously expected everyone to be killed, so how would they get any information about settlements colluding? Everyone at the community was pretty much useless. If not for Maggie and Sasha, the whole thing would have fallen... I bet the saviors know, uh, knew everyone was useless, too. There had to be um, some scouting reports from Negan's group about their capabilities. Um, I, I think... I, I don't think it's an entirely invalid question to be asking, because, I mean, if the goal was just to kill them all, why didn't they do that afterward? I don't think the goal was to kill them all. I think they, their goals, as stated, was going to make you guys think that you're not safe behind these walls, that you need us, that we can protect you from threats in ways that you can't. Like, what if something happened to compromise your walls? Um, now, I guess if I was a hilltop, I'd be thinking, like, well, how do I get a hold of you? Do you have, like, a fucking 911? Do you have a do you have a savior precinct that you're going to keep at the hilltop to keep us safe? Like, that's right. the big thing. You're going to take all our guns, all our medicine, and then only see us once a week. That's some shitty-ass protection money that we're paying. Sure. But, again, if we just stay in-universe, the Simon said we were going to let these guys come in, scare, maybe kill a couple of you, and then storm in and clean it up. And the fact that you didn't, it makes oh, us imply... and so they fought them off, and they were like, well, I guess that... And, and I think that's what raised the whole, like, okay. oh, these, you know, the, you guys seem like you're a lot of go-getters, and we know another community of go-getters, and I feel like that's where... He was more openly probing than than Gotcha. That makes more sense. Okay, I missed that line from him. But this is the danger of this show continually underachieving is that when they finally do come up with something that's like, that's not especially compelling, but people check out so much that they start seeing plot holes where there's none and they start seeing shitty character development when there's none. And I mean, you know, they've. Like, or I don't agree. podcasters and they're taking notes and miss lines. Right. So like <laughs> what I'm saying, or have missed the fact that the car's playing music. Um, right. You know, uh, that's, it's really easy to be guilty of that because when the show doesn't take itself seriously, people get in the habit of not doing it. So Sure. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I guess it's not such a good question, Bill from Houston. Bill from Houston, come on. Aaron says, fuck right off. Uh, <laughs> that's it for the... FRO, we, baby. That's it for the feedback section. Uh, I do have some spoiler emails we might want to consider after the music, so... Okay. Stick around for those if you're interested. If you don't want spoilers, get the fuck out, because we are doing them after this music. Uh, and if you want to send your feedback in, I really only consider the emails. I know Aaron's on the forums doing his thing. But send it to well, Walking that's, Dead. Well, that. Like, I actually... What, uh, what? Send it to walkingdead at baldmove.com. Uh, I don't pull a lot for the big shows from forums either, but the amazing thing is we've actually succeeded in creating a fucking community. We have, That yeah. doesn't even need us at this point to succeed. So, like, there is just a lot of really fine uh, and friendly and insightful commenters for all of our shows, and, and yeah. uh, all the threads get a, get a lot of... A lot of action there. And, I, I and despite to... what you might think, it's not all negative, like on The Walking Dead. You no, go over no. there, there are a lot of people who like this show and listen for those those rare episodes where we are all over the show as well. Right. So, uh, yeah, do that if you want, walkingdeadatballmove.com. Uh, if you'd rather send an email and get considered on the show. And that's it. Yeah. We will see you guys next week for the third to last episode of the season, mm-hmm. or the half season, I guess, whatever. Yep. Uh, And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. And we're back with the spoiler section. We start off. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into it, or no? Because I'm not entirely sure. Like my recollection is that Jesus did not stow away with Carl, so like I was, I'm, 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 un, I, I kind of know ex- somewhat of how these storylines are going down, but they're combining them and remixing them in ways that I'm, especially since I haven't looked at this material in three or four years, I'm a little lost. Okay, well, which is kind of where the... I want to be with the show. Yeah, I don't really want to. Ex- I don't want to be expecting something that I'm looking forward to and then get swerved. So yeah. Okay, we'll let the emailers do it for us then. Oh, I did want to say that I started looking as after you mentioned. I started seeing more and more articles where um, I guess like Carl Riggs' father sent out this tweet about like so thankful that <laughs> Chandler Riggs, but yes, what I say, Carl Riggs. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the Chandler is like done with this, has filled his contract with AMC, and he's looking forward to starting at Auburn. And like, you right. know, but like in a tone of, and now this could just be some hardball negotiating because a lot of people point out that like if you want to attend the college and still shoot in Georgia, like Auburn's not the worst choice. Huh. Okay. That like you could maybe work around and, and not have to travel a lot and still be able to focus on your school, but like. If Carl, if Chandler Riggs walks away from this season, uh, or after the season, or even next season, you have to recast Carl. You gotta, yeah, because you can't just wrap like you cannot kill Carl off. You really, I, I like, I don't think you can. Um, and I wonder if, 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 if they do this, um, you know, past the Negan storyline where they do the you know time jump. And you get into whispers. I wonder if they'll take an opportunity to just recast everyone. Oh wow! Like two years. That like would, seriously, it would wouldn't feel that... weird for like an episode or two. But, but I, then I think if they do the job casting right, and they did it right the first time, like that's one of the one of the strengths of the show is I think they cast everyone impeccably. They nail it. Yeah, not just in the looks like, but like you know could could act. 
like one thing would solve all this show's long-term sustainability problems is just recast everyone. Yeah, anyone who and sign everybody else, I guess, for another five years. Yeah, right. Just yeah, get them all on board for. The yeah, I mean, term. anyone who wants to come back and re up for that, anyone that doesn't, just recast them, like the Norman Reedus's and the. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't have any knowledge about like that, but I know that like a lot of people have expressed like, "Hey, I kind of want off this crazy train," and that makes sense to me. Like, you can't have these; these aren't animated cartoons that you can keep around for twenty, twenty-five years, like The Simpsons. Right. I mean, we're living in a post. This isn't Johnny world. Carson, where you can just you know show up and and drink scotch and smoke cigarettes for an hour or two a night and get thirty million dollars. Like, right. You know, this is this is some real fucking work. So. Maybe I wonder if AMC would take the opportunity to do that because otherwise, long term, I don't see how this show sustains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just either have to hope that the money will be enough that these people will change their minds and be willing to make this their That's career. Long term, that never happens because right, then, I can't the see The next either. step is like they're all going to want to get paid the same. Right. Yeah. You and, have the Seinfeld problem. And and that's fine when you have four stars or uh-huh. friends had what, six, but when you have like thirty people that all want like, you know, from Jesus to yeah. Aaron to Eugene. To, you and they all want top top money, like I don't know, what do you do? I so, don't know, man. I, I I wonder and and I, w- I would love to know if there's like some kind of um you know uh bunker in AMC where they've actually gone and like planned this out. Like what's uh-huh. their doomsday if if, if Chandler Riggs and and Norman Reedus and Andrew Lincoln and and all those people want out. What do we do? They'd be smart too. Yeah, because it and, could definitely happen. The time jump forward um, would be kind of an awesome way to do that. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it would be weird, but I don't think it'd be weird for as long as you'd think. No, I mean it's a post Mountain world where. Mm-hmm. You can recast the same character and get away with it, and people are fine with it. If not, like if you do an even better job casting a character that's more like the one in the comic. Yeah. People might even appreciate that you did it in the first place. Like, yeah. oh yeah, no, this is a better decision. Yeah. So, I mean, and I would I would hope that the money they save by recasting for presumably less known but equally huh. capable talent, they would plow back into the writers room. You would hope so. Because that would make a lot of sense. Like, you know, I would gladly get rid of the recognizable faces and, you know, as long as we're not, as long as these people can act. Right. Um, and they do, don't do seem to have a problem finding people that can act um, as long as the fucking quality of the writing went up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd probably even prefer it. So, anyway, that's the only kind of the thing I've been thinking about. You, you scaring the shit out of me with Chandler Riggs bailing and his, <laughs> his dad... You know, either negotiating in or over Twitter or else uh, announcing that he's just out. Like, I don't know. Right. Okay, let's uh, go to the emailers. Brian from Baltimore says, I was listening to the most recent podcast, and you guys were talking about the direction of Dwight and his true demeanor. I honestly don't think we're supposed to truly understand his character yet. I mean, he may indeed be a bad person, just not as bad as Negan. And Negan has Dwight by the balls, and he's boning his wife. Uh, remember in the in the comic he despises Negan and ends up taking over the Saviors after helping Rick defeat Negan. During that whole plan, he still did significantly bad things to Rick's group, not only to hide the the fact that he had a hand in Negan's fall, but he seemed like he didn't actually care about Rick's group either. So even though he doesn't, he, so even though he does things to appease Negan, I don't think he minds because he is a wicked guy himself. He just doesn't want to work for Negan. So what's your read on that? I mean, my yeah, sure. I just again, my recollection is that 
we gradually understood that about Dwight. We didn't have it revealed over the course of a single episode. Yeah. That then they go back and pretend like this is Dwight from last season before he had any nuance. And also I think mm-hmm. that introducing us to Dwight before he had his face iron kind of fucked things up too. But this is my long-standing complaint. When they deviate from the shit that's in the comic books, they tend to, to, to deviate wrong, and they fucking don't know really how to tell a story in a progressive, well-paced manner and without having characters walk in circles and and betray advances that they have. And so, so, so like, Dwight's par for the course. I'm just disappointed right. that the course hasn't gotten better. Yeah, I don't know. At some point... And I could be wrong. Are you surprised it, when your wishes are not fulfilled? I mean, you know, like I I think what you're hearing is a gradual recognition that Scott Gimple is not going to get significantly better. Mm-hmm. He's not going to come back from one of these groups like, okay, I've had enough of these reps under my belt, and I feel like if that was happening, it would have happened last season. Right. Um, and I think last season represents kind of like as good as this show is going to get from here on out. Um, that's my fear anyway, Mm -hmm. because like, you know, if anything, it seems like that he and Nicotero and Kirkman have gotten together and decided we're doing a pretty goddamn good job of this guys. And they're not, and maybe we got a problem communicating what we're wanting to do with the fans, but it's nothing we're doing on the show. That's wrong. And if once you get in a bubble like that, yeah, you know, and it's hard to refute that idea given the ratings, but if you're looking at it critically, I think. It's a much easier argument to make. Indeed. Indeed. But they don't, and so... They just might not care about that. They're making the most popular show on television. I don't believe that Greg Nicotero and Robert Kirkman don't care about making The Walking Dead good. It's just they are insulated right. from... Right, but they the might f- have a different definition of good. Good True. could mean criti- not critical success, but a financial success, making right. the show they want to make. I mean, they might just be birds to the world, let's do this. Yeah, you're right. We're making the show that we think is fun and awesome. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, and they're entitled to their opinion on what they're making, certainly. Anthony B. says they're still... Okay, I've got a couple of takes here on the Sasha thing. Sasha Michonne mix-up thing. There may still be hope for Rick's girlfriend to get kidnapped. What do you think about Negan possibly kidnapping Michonne because he thinks she's a sharpshooter, seeing as they confiscated her rifle? But they don't realize that she isn't a sharpshooter but was practicing, and the real sharpshooter, which is Sasha, is still out there and is the actual threat. So the girlfriend confusion arc from the comic is still possible, but not based off looks, uh, rather skill. This could be an interesting remix, I think. Well, that'd be a remix not to Rick's favor. Like, I guess... I guess... do I, Would I allow... The, I mean, just the fact... let me read the second one as well so here's the thing it's like it's not like like if you had two if you had sasha and i don't know like Maeve from the west world um they don't they're not really this i mean i'm not arguing that they're the same but like they got similar builds and skin tones and and you know if they wore their hair and their weird ponytail braids like i can see how you would but, like, Michonne mm. is so visually striking and different from anyone else. Right. Not just in uh, her looks, but the way she's also accentuated those looks and the way she dresses like a Crocodile Dundee ninja woman. Even the like, way she carries herself, yeah. Yeah, like, she's just, you're not going to even see from a distance and think, oh, well, that's, uh, you know, that's, like, she's just really, really distinctive. So, it's whereas Andrea's a fucking blonde girl. 
Right. Like, she literally is, like, you know, a blonde. And, and I guess, like, in the comics, it was kind of weird. I mean, because I feel like the person she took, Holly was, um, you know, like, short, spiky hair and almost, and again, if I if I got in is wrong, but, like, muscly. So maybe. Short, spiky hair? What did Andrea have? Uh, like a like a pixie cut kind of thing, maybe. Oh, she did. Now I feel like I'm just making I remember up the details. Ponytail. I feel like I'm an eyewitness that didn't really get a good look at the mugger and been like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> right, blonde... seven foot twelve, <laughs> sure, was, uh, blonde lizard woman. Pretty sure it had a horse tail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I so I, I don't know because that's the thing. Like, I guess you could say like, okay, well, Sasha and Michonne are both black. Uh, Negan didn't get a good look at him as nighttime. Uh, grab right. the or he tells the savers to grab, but I I don't know. Maybe so, Hunter W talks a little about that. He says now that Sasha is looking to avenge Abraham and infiltrate Negan's compound as Holly did in the comics. Please tell me that the show is not also going to give her the Negan confusing Rick's love interest plot line. It seems like they're trending that way. I know this was discussed in one of the previous spoiler sections, but surely a show that has had such an issue killing off black characters will not do something as insensitive as creating a storyline that assumes that Sasha and Michonne can be confused for just both being black women. Is it possible for them to be that out of touch? Well, I mean, I think there's room. I, I think for it's a misstep Negan for to... this show, uh, though. You're right. You're specifically. You can't, you can't, I, I, I want to say, like, in a vacuum, <laughs> right. I can, but this isn't. Like this isn't a vacuum. This is yeah. this is The Walking Dead. So, um, yeah. I I think it would be a bad idea. But I'm trying to think if they if is, is there anyone they can shift that storyline to? Because that's what I thought when when Jesse kind of came on the scene. Like I was shipping yeah. Rick and Michelle, but I'm like, well, it would make total sense if he hooks up with Jesse because then you find another blonde. I mean, Jesse's just your stock issue blonde girl, you know? Right. Um. She might have even been wearing Uggs. I don't know, um, but I, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, yeah, it seems like something that they a minefield that they could step in, but mm-hmm. it ain't going to keep them from stepping in it. That's probably true. Sure as shit isn't going to keep them from stepping in it. Finally, Kelly from New Jersey says. So on last week's podcast, you guys were picking on Eugene for fixing a radio for a seemingly pointless reason. I have a spoiler for you from the most recent comic release, Volume Twenty Six, Call the Arms. In the beginning of the comic, Eugene is fiddling with a radio, and he actually finds uh, contact with somebody. They have a pretty long conversation, and they talk at several different times further along in the issue. Even though this is a post-time jump in the comics, do you think this is a storyline the show is trying to pursue now? That's a pretty big temporal remix. Yeah, it is. Um, I just looked. Call to Arms includes issues from 151 to 156, so that's even beyond the Whisper plot line, I, I surmise. Um, yeah, it's like four four issues ago. Uh, I think, yeah, they're in the 160s that we found out last week. Yeah, I, I don't know, because the other thing is, like, he didn't say he was um, repairing, like, a shortwave radio. Like, I got the, that he was right. repairing a music-playing device. Yeah. If you start having long conversation, ham radio conversations with that, I'm going to be like, what the fuck? But yes, things are transmitters. But then again, who knows? Then again, this is The Walking Dead, and and who knows? Who knows? Um, I mean, I guess we've been wondering if they would even do the jump ahead. Yeah. Or if they would use this as a way for the comics to get way far away and for them to tell their own story in the meantime. But, you know, I don't know. It seems like the the time jump is going to be used, like, as we discussed already in the spoilers section, it's going to be useful for them to just kind of rearrange the chairs a little bit. It seems like that 
they're really mixing up these chairs a lot now though now they're doing things in the show that haven't yet happened in the comics for another what 60 issues i'm just saying here's the thing i'm just saying that if these guys sat down and said all right we've killed off andrea Mm -hmm. that's a decision we're handed so we can't we work and we we like the the charisma that and the chemistry that andrew lincoln and uh danae guerrera have um we're going to remix that storyline that they at least thought through the big issues, which is like Michonne, if she really going to be Andrea needs to become a sharpshooter. And -hmm. at some point, if we want to tell this same damn story, they're going to have to have this confused abduction scene. And if they didn't think through those, then fuck, I don't even like, if you didn't spitball that to a place where it wasn't laughable, then I don't know what these guys are doing. Right. Like I, I get it that you show up every season. It's a clean slate, but, but you gotta, you gotta know this shit's coming down the pike, man. Yeah, that's your job as a showrunner. Right. To run the show. Yeah. Uh, to know that there are story beats we need to hit with the, with our ever-changing stable of writers. Or like, they could just they could just decide to do something completely different. Like there's nothing saying sure. yeah. that, you know, they're going to tell this exact same story. Um I was actually thinking as you were reading this email, I was like, okay, who else could who else could be like in a leadership position in Alexandria that would get their girlfriend slash fiance slash wife stolen? And I'm like who all is coupled up now? They did a lot of decoupling. Carl. Carl. <laughs> if they take some random teenage girl and they uh-huh. think it's Enid, yeah. uh, that would be... Some girl on roller skates and just... <laughs> That's Heather Graham. Snatch her up. Roller girl comes by and <laughs> right. they snatch her up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I That's that is a, that's a, that's yeah, a definite who, conundrum. That's fair. Who is coupled off now? Like who could be stolen and someone would be give a shit beyond oh that's my person that's my neighbor and that's my ally. I can't think of anyone besides Rick. Aaron and his Eric. Right. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh that's still a couple that I that's give a shit about. But Tara it? Tara's got nobody now. No, hers got uh, killed. Rick, you know, and Michonne, obviously. Maggie's got nobody. Sasha's got nobody. Gabriel will never Eugene's have anybody. Got nobody. Eugene Ros- will never Rosita's have anybody. Rosita's got uh, fucking uh, uh, Spencer, but like I don't think she oh, would give a no. shit if he got kidnapped. No, and he could definitely be mistaken for any other random dude. Mm-hmm. He is like the default issue of dudes. Huh? Yeah, so that's interesting. They they kind of have to go if they're going to do it at all. They gotta they gotta have to go with uh, Michonne. Mm-hmm. I guess they could do. Ezekiel flipping off the handle that they someone kidnapped Carol if they're going to go down with the Carol and and Ezekiel romance angle that we talked about. Yeah, they need to progress that further. Because Carol's before. pretty like you know like uh, I could see her like lots of different myths because she that's her specialty right. She passes herself off as other even though she's a, a lioness she passes herself off as a your your prototypical suburban housewife. That's true. So yeah. I could totally see someone stealing you. You know I'm sure these communities are loaded with your. Mm-hmm. T- typical middle-aged housewives yeah um maybe that they maybe they can remix of that because i could see they already kind of have that instability or someone like ezekiel who over emotionally overreact to that situation anyway maybe that would be an interesting remix maybe i don't know how it goes down in the comics but they'll probably just have oh well michonne and sasha they're both black so who could who could tell the difference right and they'll lean on the comics and say hey that's how it goes down in the comics yeah, and but we had this relationship and we just went with it. Uh, 
They'll be that. That strikes me as a little tone deaf. Well, not only that, but like, uh, say what you will about Charlie Allard. Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Adler. Adler. Um, one of his one of his critiques is like that he kind of draws everyone that that looks like everyone else. Like he's not great at visual making visually distinctive characters, which is huh. one of the reasons okay. why, like Negan, looks like a retro fifties throwback because you have to have almost like the whole right gay leather biker guy to have him visually stand apart from anybody else. And like Abraham was like the fucking GI Joe because Mm -hmm. like you put a handlebar mustache and a tank top and a flat top. You can't mistake him for Glenn, but like it's, it was really hard to to tell the difference between Glenn and Maggie sometimes. And when, when that, (laughs) I remember when that plot line happened, there was like contemporary people making the joke was like, well, uh, this guy's artistic skills finally pay off because you could plausibly abduct any of the women from Alexandria and right. squint and be like, I guess that could be Andrea. Or even half the men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glenn, uh, Maggie, any of them, uh, yeah. put, give them a peroxide dye job and, and they're Andrea. So right. obviously in real life that, that falls apart. Yeah. So. All right. That's it. Uh, we're going to be back next week at our usual time. So we will see you then. Sunday at 9 o'clock for the live watch, Tuesday, or uh, Monday, rather, for the full po- podcast. Yeah. Podcast. And we will see you then. See ya. Bye.